You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast, episode number 46. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. This episode is sponsored by our very limited time and signature free training, three strategies to jumpstart your UX design career without spending a fortune on a degree. In this info-packed webinar, I'll cover the strategies of both UX and job searching that'll give you 80% of the effectiveness with only 20% of the effort. You'll learn how much UX designers make and how quickly you can get to six figures. Not to mention the exact portfolio assets you'll need to get hired as a UX designer. Join me this Thursday, October 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern for this helpful and interactive free training. Three strategies to jumpstart your UX design career. Sign up at youartechie.com slash jumpstart. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y dot com slash jumpstart. Caitlin Meyer is a mother of two young boys, a woman leader in technology, and the inspiration for You Are Techie. That's right, this might be a bit of an emotional episode for me to get through, as KM, as I call her, was my first coachee and the inspiration for You Are Techie, which was the gap I saw from women in the workplace not understanding their value. She was the first person I declaratively said, you will make six figures too. And she was the first person I trained in UX design. Spoiler alert, she was so good from the very beginning. Are you ready for this? Caitlin has worked as a customer service representative, a copywriter, a UX designer, a QA technician, a project manager. She currently works as an internal project manager for Stonebridge Software in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Caitlin has an undergraduate degree in English language and a master's in creative writing, along with multiple publications for her work. She resides in Wisconsin with her adorable two boys, Lander Seven, Sil Six, and her partner, Zach. KM, welcome to the podcast. Do I get to talk? (laughs) (laughs) You get to talk now. (laughs) I told her I might have to do the intro a couple times because I did get a little teary, but I'm okay. Yes. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, thanks for having me. This is exciting. <laughs> this feels full circle, doesn't it? Oh, does it ever? I mean, <laughs> when you read the intro, it's crazy to think back to where things started to where we are now. So, Right. Do you remember yeah. when we were sharing the hotel room and I told you you were going to make some figures? I thought you were nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't like, you can do it. I know. I was like, no, you don't understand. You will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember thinking, yeah, okay, sure. This woman has no idea what she's saying. <laughs> Little did we know. Okay. So you've held nearly every technology position you can hold, but tell us like a little bit about your career journey so people can really understand. Cause I love your story of like a non-techie techie. You know, it just really, I think you've evolved into this person. Like I just had to keep saying, no, but you are techie. No, but you are. So just tell everybody a little bit about your your background and your career journey. Yeah. So 
yeah, honestly, it's always so funny to kind of think about where I am now, because when I first started school, especially my undergraduate, I had no plans to go into tech. Absolutely none. And so, like you said, I started in my customer service position and, you know, did some stuff like on computers and used software and it came really easy to me. Um, and I really liked getting to know customers, which is important because, you know, building that relationship with them, getting to talk to them, getting to know them a little bit mm-hmm. really did help me then understand the next part, which was UX and copywriting. Because the moment you know who the audience is and who you're talking to, it's so easy then to start right. like building that tech relationship with them. How are they going to use the site? Where do they get hung up? And a lot of that, I didn't realize I was building those skill sets until you were the first one who's like, no, like use cases. You know these people. Just write all the stories that you've talked to and heard. And when people call in and have complaints, like, what are they saying? You know these things, so just write them down now. Mm -hmm. And So that was really like the first step into being like, oh, maybe I can do this. Maybe I have some ideas. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, going into my master's program and really just learning who your audience is and who you're talking to. So it's important to just like know that you're speaking to a much broader person than just your company. So as much as you want to like speak to your company's message and everything like that, you also have to know who you're trying to target. So speaking their language and sometimes disagreeing with leadership (laughs) and saying like, no, I've worked with these people. I know what they're thinking. I know how they're acting. And this is actually, they want us to be more personal and friendly instead of just more business oriented. And then once like I kind of got to know the customers, got to understand the design aspect, that really helped me learn then how to step into the next role of QA, mm-hmm. which is how to break the site. <laughs> I know exactly how people were using it. And so I knew exactly where they would get hung up. And so it was so easy for somebody to come in and be like, oh, here's this page that we created. And like, yeah, our customers aren't going to use it that way like it's a great (laughs) idea but our customers they don't think the same way and so it was really fun to like get that whole back end Mm because before I was working more front end Mm -hmm. and so to like all of a sudden get behind the scenes and get to work with developers more and stuff that was really fun and then obviously it kind of ended with project management where I've seen projects from start to finish, you know, from design to completion. Mm -hmm. And so just being able to utilize my skill set to like organization and communication. And Mm -hmm. so just be able to organize the whole project and all the people that were involved, just combine all my skill sets really that I spent seven years developing to kind of come to the the end goal, which was always project management. Right. Right. I love it. And I love that you're talking so much about um, the customer and you'll see the term like in marketing or in job postings, voice of the customer, the VOC, like know the VOC voice of the customer. 
And I know for me, when, you know, when you and I were doing some of the UX work and I was like, oh my gosh, she knows so much about the customer because you had spent time on them. You had spoken to them. You had answered phone calls or that you'd answered emails. And it was just really helpful to, we could take a lot of that knowledge and put it right in and, and really speak to them. So I love that. Okay. So we'll get back into, you know, some of your interviewing and job search and, and, <laughs> and position and career. We'll definitely get into that. But you know, a lot of our listeners are moms and they are challenged to really pursue their career in light of being a wonderful mother. And I, I'd love for you to explain to people how motherhood shaped your career. And I'll just add a little bit of a, of a personal caveat that much of that time you, you were the sole caretaker of your children, the sole breadwinner, and especially when they were very young. I mean, they're only six and seven, but they were even younger. <laughs> you know, for you, working really was not an option. You had to provide for your children. But help us understand how motherhood shaped the choices that you made in your career. So I guess I, I kind of got to rewind a little bit. My mom just totally reminded me of this the other day. We were talking about careers and where we were at and just, you know, in light of the environment that we're in with like COVID and everything like that. Mm -hmm we just started talking about my situation a little bit. My mom always has to giggle because she goes, when you were little, you would walk around with fake leather gloves and like her old, like fancy trench coat. And I would carry a fake briefcase. And I like always had this idea that I was going to be a lawyer in New York. Like, that's my end goal. I would pretend that all the time. And that when I was really little, I just had all these really big ambitions of what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be, where I wanted to be at in my career. And so I think from a very young age, I kind of knew what I wanted, how that shaped out is <laughs> <laughs> really funny. But um, it was in terms of like motherhood. So I was really lucky to have very strong women in my life. My mom, you know, she worked, she owned her own business. And so I always got to see how strong women were represented in the world. And so that was really helpful for me. Like you said, I was the sole caretaker of my kids. And so I didn't have a choice. I didn't, it was, you had to work, you had to provide, mm -hmm. you know, when it came to bills and groceries and daycare and stuff like that, that all fell on me. And so I knew that I had to be in a good situation to be able to provide for my family and give a roof over our head. And luckily I got to like grab onto that history of strong women. So I knew that I could do it and I knew that I could succeed. Mm -hmm. But my goal was always to like make sure the boys never understood that or never had to see the struggles that I had to go through. Like as much as I wanted them to see that I was a strong, hardworking person, I never wanted them to see like the stress of the finances, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I always wanted to model that I was a very successful person without them kind of seeing the hard, well, I wanted them to see the hard work behind it. I just didn't want them to see like if all of a sudden it's like, okay, we have to choose between this bill and this bill. I just never wanted them to see it. 
And so it always drove me to take on the next challenge or the next spot in my career. You know, you named so many different positions that I felt, but I always, my goal was always to never move backwards. Mm-hmm. And so it was to say yes to the next opportunity so I could learn this skill, so I could learn this skill so that I could keep moving forward and moving up. Right. And I never wanted to take a step backwards because I knew it wasn't going to benefit our family in the long run. So I think a lot of my inspiration for where I'm at has to do with being a single mom, Mm -hmm. with having like the drive to provide for my family and know that all of that weight fell on me. I don't know if if I wasn't a single mom. I don't know if I would have been as driven. Probably, but <laughs> right. maybe not as I went to push myself as hard through the very trying and challenging times. I mean, they'll sit in meetings with me oh. and they'll be like, what, what are you doing, mom? What's that? What's going on? And so it's really fun now because they are so curious mm-hmm. about what I'm actually doing. And yeah. so that's even a, a whole different drive now because I can actually see how much they're soaking in from me. Yeah. Right. And, and so it's always like, okay, gotta like, gotta show them what strong independent women look like. Right. <laughs> and they'll just know that women are in tech. Like they won't even yeah. know anything different. And I think this is important. So there are a couple of pieces on that I want to hit on. So First of all, you know, we're so we're such big advocates of, of moms and women in tech. And sometimes the best supporters of that are men. You know, we have men, you are techie mentors, and we have, and sometimes they were raised by women who are in tech, or they're married to someone or someone close to them, or their daughters. They want to inspire them. So I think it's so great that Lander and Sil, they're just not gonna know any different. Like that'll just be normal to them. But so I want to make a comment. We've talked about all your positions, but you've only worked for two organizations in the last seven years. Most of those (laughs) positions were internal. So I think that's important. It's not like she just job hopping every six months. It was that she was promoted and moved around because of her, her skills. So that's an important point. And then the other point that you didn't even talk about it, which cracks me up because so many women new to tech, this is their number one thing. And I know in COVID it's a little bit different, but they're like, can I find a remote job? Can I find <laughs> you worked remote like your whole career almost? I mean, m- well, most of it for the last what six years or something like yeah, that. yeah, about six years. Yeah, think right. Yeah, I know, I know. It gets been a while. It's <laughs> getting a little fuzzy. Um, so right, so I mean, talk about that a little bit, and has that enabled you to to really take care of the kids in a certain way or be be more flexible, things like that? Oh yeah. I will. Okay. So it's funny. I had a love hate relationship with working remote in the beginning. Yeah. And a lot of that had to do. So obviously when I was a single mom, we had to come back and live with my parents. Yeah. And so I'd been gone for like eight to 10 years from my hometown. So to move back and then like, of course the whole town has changed. And so I didn't really have any friends. I didn't have like All I had were my parents and I was so grateful for the chance to work from home because I wasn't sure how providing for my kids were going to go. So I was lucky enough that they converted to remote 
and that I knew I at least when everything else was changing and the whole world was turned upside down for me I at least knew I had this stable job Mm -hmm. so that made things a little less stressful the hard part about that was that all of a sudden I'm in this new town and at least in an office you get the chance to like meet co-workers and so that was hard to get used to that transition from like socializing in an office to all of a sudden you're home and mm-hmm. you really don't have a reason to leave your house. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Yes, absolutely. And so that, that was a little bit difficult in the beginning. And I just had to kind of figure out that balance of like, how do you force yourself to get involved outside of your home office Mm -hmm. and now I mean I don't think I could ever go back to an office right right it's just yeah the flexibility yeah I love it because I mean there's times and it it cracks me up like I will have meetings with my boss and we'll just have a conversation about something that's going on or a project that I'm working on and she's like, I'm in the car. So if it's a little choppy, just let me know. I'm right. like, that's great. Cause I'm in the car. So <laughs> <laughs> mine's a little choppy. Let me know. Mm-hmm. Or school pickup. Not mm-hmm. so much right now, but <laughs> before. Yeah. And I could stay in touch through mess and like through the instant messages and answer emails. Mm-hmm. And so that way then when the boys got home from school, I knew that I could just dedicate that time to my family then. Right. It's like I utilized all this extra time in my day because I can from working remote. So now I have this time where I can just kind of clock out, be with right. my kids, and then also have the flexibility at night to be like, oh, I didn't get in all my hours today. So I'm going to work a little bit this evening. You know, when you're in an office, you kind of have to go through eight to four and it's right. hard to bring your work home with you because everything's in your office sure but here I have so much flexibility with time with location you just need my laptop and a phone and a charger yeah. and I'm good to go so. right. right for sure I think that's a great story because it's it's just your life right like you don't really think about it on a day-to-day basis but I I know for me I remember thinking like how hard that was and Liz Stanick, I've also interviewed, she's a friend of mine. She's a lawyer. She now has her own, she was a partner, but she now has her own law firm. She picks her kids up and then she works in the evening. That's my schedule. I pick my kids up. I work in the evening. Today, my husband's going to pick them up on Friday, but like that's generally our schedule. That's generally your schedule. And I just think it's so interesting because that was like, I can't even tell you how coveted that is by so many women I hear and now I just think with Corona and, and, you know, the COVID situation, I feel like that's probably just going to be the norm for everyone because people are like, oh, that's just the way it is. Like we just pick our kids up and then we, and then we clock and we put a few hours in at night if that's what we need to do. And that's just a better schedule for parents, you know? You know, it was so funny because at my position that I'm in now, mm-hmm. right, there was nothing on there that said that it was a remote position. I mean, I live in River Falls and the Twin Cities are 30 miles east of me. And that's St. Paul. So Minneapolis is an hour. (laughs) And that's, you know, and the office is is on the outskirts of that. And so I remember thinking, oh man, it's not remote. This is an hour drive. 
I can do it, but it's going to be a pain because Zach has to go to work at 6 a.m. And if I have to be in the office at 8, that makes for a very early morning for the boys. Right. And so I was like, I will figure it out. We'll do it. But this is going to be such a pain. And I remember sitting in my interview and they were like, oh, you know, how do you feel about remote work? It's like, I like it. I'm good at it. You <laughs> know, <laughs> I can do it. Why? <laughs> and they were saying, like, is there, how would you feel about working home then? You know, but maybe coming into the office once a month just to keep that connection. Like, sold. <laughs> like, and that's the funny thing is, like, you know, just because it didn't say it was a remote position doesn't mean that you're, it's, there's the options not there. And that's one thing that I did stress in my head, like, how am I going to ask to work from remote? Are they going to let me, are they really going to think? And granted, I was lucky enough that they were the ones who brought it up. Right. But just because the job doesn't say remote doesn't mean the option's not there. And I think that's a really big thing to bring home because people are so nervous sometimes to like apply for a job because they're like, oh, it's not everything it says in the job description. But there's so many opportunities you learn in interviewing and (laughs) things you can ask for. So (laughs) I love it. And we're going to talk about that next as I slip you the 20 to tell you, you're like, you sound like the UR Techie mouthpiece, right? Just because it doesn't say remote doesn't mean it's not remote. Right. I mean, if I, I mean, I know, I know this company in Ann Arbor, uh, Michigan, I'm from Michigan, so not too far. And they're an in-office culture. So on the job descriptions, they're like really clear. We are in office. We are in office. People will say this is an in-office experience. And now, I mean, who knows what, none of us know what's going to happen. So I've, I'm, I keep encouraging people, if you're thinking about a job, this is the time because you know it's going to be remote. You don't know how long, but a lot of a lot of the tech companies around here, they're like, yeah, we're not opening until January. Like you're just not even thinking about it. Or, mm-hmm. or March or May, because they're like, well, let's just be, let's just like shut down the pandemic. And especially tech companies, like you're saying, it doesn't really slow anyone down if to be working remote. Okay, so let's talk about your job search, because that was super easy, right? Like you had a really nice <laughs> easy job search and oh, yeah. uh, seamless, right? <laughs> oh, no challenges whatsoever. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know where to like begin with this story. But I think it's important that people hear. I don't know what first was the effort worth it, and then tell us like just tell us the highlights of the journey. <laughs> oh boy. Um. Well, was the effort worth it? Yes, absolutely. Like the job I'm in right now, the company I work for, they are a fantastic company. I mean, I, I feel so good to get up every day and go to work and be able to work with the people that I do. And I I mean, like, not only do they invest in me as an employee, they invest in all of their workers. Mm -hmm. You know, they know that by putting value into their employees, the employees are going to bring that value back to them. Right. And that is so rewarding every day to go in and they have a book club and you're going to love this because one of the books that I first participated in was the growth mindset. And Carol Dweck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For sure. 
that's the best part about this company is like they are such a growth mindset type company where it's like we're in this together we're here to learn make mistakes and then let's learn lessons from those mistakes and so every day i feel like i get to challenge myself one step more and all that's going to do is make me feel really uncomfortable for that time but it's going to make me better <laughs> that's awesome i love it yeah. okay, so pause real quick because i just want to make sure that people hear this so i talk a lot about culture and the right fit and I think that this is a perfect example. So like when you go in and you're like, oh, people, you know, they invested in me. And I remember we have a good friend who's a partner at Ernst & Young at an accounting firm. And she started, that's where my, my husband started his career. And there's like the starting class. And she is the last person that I thought would survive. And she's the only one that became a partner. And I remember asking her like, Rachel, why, why did you stay with them? Like, why? And she's like, they invested in me. They cared about me getting better. And that not every company does that. So I think that's an important thing that most of us mm -hmm. maybe don't think about when we get a job. But what I love what you said about Carol Dweck is it's like, that was a way for you to know that that was a good place for you, right? If they oh, would have yeah. had a book that was totally opposite your beliefs, you'd be like, Ugh. yeah, it's funny because the first thing they said, in, or the thing that really sold me in my interview was <laughs> when they said, uh, yeah, you, you know, we like to have people take courses or classes, you know, like we would love if you took one of the Dale Carnegie classes <laughs> right. and I was like sold because how many times have I told you that his book is like my favorite thing ever. Right. You listen to the audiobook on your runs and get in again, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I think I'm on like friends and influence people. Is that the one or which yeah, one? Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dad had that on his nightstand. My dad made me read that when I was like in high school. Yeah, and for, sure. for anyone who's listening, read it or listen to it. I mean, <laughs> I'm biased, so. <laughs> I love that you did it again and again. That's an important point, right? So I, Tony Robbins is my running buddy, but same thing, like again and again, we're not going to pick it up like the first time. Okay. Yeah. So that's amazing. So that's, you found yeah. this great job. So let's go back to the, let's go back to the interview process, the job search, the job uh -huh. search process. Oh, no, no I'm no. just kidding. <laughs> She's like, I, I don't cringe. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it was, you know, I learned some very valuable things mm -hmm. and I, you've got to start it that way the job search process was hard yeah it was so challenging and there were times when i had like extreme highs when i would get the interview or connected with a new person or um networking and networking paid off where i could get in for an in-person interview and so like just learning the strength that I had mm -hmm. in terms of like even reaching out, it was so uncomfortable to reach out to people that I knew at companies. Mm -hmm. be like, hey, I'm looking for this job. Do you know of anything? Mm -hmm. Like, one thing I had to learn is that is not name dropping. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. That is not. It is literally people are out there and they want to help you. Right. And if you, you know, they know the type of person you are, so they're going to try and connect you with a job that's going to fit you. Yeah. And so don't be afraid to utilize your network. 
it's uncomfortable, <laughs> at least it was for me, but it totally paid off to like try and do that and put myself out there and really find different things. But I'm going to stop one second and trying to shift gears because the one thing I really needed to learn and that I didn't have right in the beginning was what was I looking for in a job? I didn't know. It was just like, I'm looking for a new job. I'll take anything. And that wasn't the case. Like I wasn't just looking for anything, Mm -hmm. but I just didn't know yet what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And so to like connect with you then, because that's when we really started our coaching together. Right. Right. The official coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Prior to the, prior to the unofficial. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Before you offered me good advice, (laughs) but now you were like, I'm going to tell you things that you're not going to like to hear, but it's what you need to hear. Right. And that's what I think was so important is because. I really needed someone to come in and challenge me and be like, what are you looking for? What do you really want? And is this job that you're just applying for randomly really going to fit that? Yeah. And so I had a hard time right in the beginning. I remember being like, um, I just want a new job. So quit telling me that I need to look for X, Y, and Z. Just let me apply to these. Right. Right. Yes. <laughs> and, and so there were some times I didn't take your advice. Yes. And by yes, not taking sure. your advice, it made the job search then even that much more challenging. Mm-hmm. Just because it was like, all of a sudden, I'm in these situations where it just didn't feel good. The company didn't feel good. They just didn't fit me. Like culture was a huge thing for me. And so to not have a solid idea of what I wanted and who I was made me just like, you always talk about the Indeed death scroll. (laughs) (laughs) And I did that for a long time. That made the job search then that much more discouraging. Right. Because it was like, oh, why aren't people getting me for interviews? And it's just because I was applying for all the wrong jobs. Right, right. And I remember then I had applied for a job and they flew me down to their office in Texas. And I had, I thought for sure I had the job. And I remember calling you Mm -hmm. and you were asking me how I felt. And I was like, I got this. It's for sure. I'm and they didn't hire me. Right. And I remember how devastated I was. Yeah. And then like a week after maybe. the company yeah, maybe, but the week after this company that I am working for now called me and I had I remember I had an interview, phone interview on Monday, in person on Thursday and they hired me. Like that day <laughs> after my in-person and I finally got to a point where it was like I knew what I wanted in a job I knew what I wanted in a culture I knew where I wanted to go and so I always love saying interviews you're interviewing the person and the company just as much as they are interviewing you 
they ask me all these questions and the moment they're like, do you have any questions? It's like, yes, I have several. So (laughs) see if you meet my criteria. Right. Absolutely. I love that. And I love that you are being so honest. Like that, that was, I want to, let's go back to the pain, but I, that was a gut-wrenching experience. I mean, it was, it was really, it was like fall on your knees. And I tell my co-Jesus, because I've seen like, so I've seen this again and again, where like, first of all, you got to be willing to cry, right? Like, but I had, this happened this week. She's like, I didn't realize I was going to get so emotional. I was like, listen, the best ones cry in the first round. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and then, um, and then like the other thing I see is that when it's a gut-wrenching fail, like when you're really hurt, you're about to succeed. And I think you are a great, I love your story. You're the greatest example of this because I, I mean, and cause I, you know, cause I know you and I care so much. Like it, it felt, it, it hurt so much. It was like, we were both like, no. And still I look back and then, and I'm like, yeah, they were wrong. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like they were, first of all, they were wrong to not offer you that, but they were wrong for you. So you know what? It, it worked out. Like it, it, you are where you're supposed to be. Do you feel that? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because, so I didn't know, and it took me a while to learn it, and maybe other people listening knew this, but project managers are in two categories. There's internal mm-hmm. and there's client-facing. Yeah, different. <laughs> I know, I know. And yeah, and I didn't distinguish between the two because at the other company I was working for, it was internal. So right. I just thought everything was internal. And so the job, the really devastating one that I thought for sure I had in Texas was client facing. Right. But I didn't put it together in my head. Mm -hmm. And so they're asking me like, how do you handle clients? And it's like, oh, it's the same as handling customers, Mm -hmm. customer service, which it can be, but clients Mm -hmm. can also be a little bit more demanding. (laughs) And so like, I didn't quite put it together that the the position I even applied for was wrong. So even though it was a project management position, it was the wrong project management position. Right. And where this one, they're like, oh yeah, it's internal. And it was like, okay, I can do that so much better. And then you knew the difference because you had been yeah. through the experience, right? Yeah. And so it was good. Like it was so good because, to learn that difference as mm-hmm. devastating as it was at the time to be mm-hmm. like, you can't just fly me to Texas and then not offer me the job. Like, right. What's wrong with you? Right. You guys are wasting resources. <laughs> yeah. It was such a good experience. One, I've never been flown anywhere for a job interview. Mm-hmm. So that was a really fun new experience to have. Right. And they first introduced me. I even remember when I first told them like what I wanted for a salary. Do you remember that? Because you're like practice saying it over and over (laughs) and over and over. And you're like, the more you say it, the more real it's going to sound when you tell them. And I like, I remember telling them what I wanted for a salary and oh no, they're going to say no. They're going to say no. They're going to say no. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, okay. I just like, what? So then by the time this company came around, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, well, this other company was willing to offer it. So mm-hmm. I don't feel so uncomfortable saying it to you. Yeah. And absolutely. just had that 
extra vote of confidence going in there and be like, this is what I'm asking. This mm -hmm. is what I want. Another company flew me to Texas. So. <laughs> he said it was cool. So I know he said it was fine. <laughs> so I mean, deal with it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you skipped that part. But in your yeah. head. In my head. And this was a big salary jump. This was like a hundred percent salary raise or something like that. But you had the experience, like you had built up that capacity and all those skills and you, you knew your value. So that was, that was what happened, right? Yeah. It, and it was, I mean, the funny thing is I didn't just know my value in terms of numbers. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think that part took a lot more to get comfortable with <laughs> than the other. Yeah. But I didn't realize, like, it's funny when you rattle off all the different experiences and job titles yes. I've had, because I still have a hard time being like, I've done all of these different things. Yes. <laughs> and that I think, like, I didn't understand my skill set. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand the value I could bring to a company with my skill set. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn that first mm -hmm. before I could apply numbers to it. Yeah. And so that, I honestly, I think that was the hardest part of knowing my value is like, what do I really know? Because, you know, I'm a non-techie background. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so probably the most non-techie right. background. Right, for sure. And I felt like such a huge fraud. What is it? The imposter syndrome? Where yeah, you're yeah, like, imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, where you're just like, I'm not qualified to do this. Mm -hmm. And that took a lot to get to the point where I was like, no, I can do this. Mm -hmm. I'm good at this. Mm -hmm. I know these things. Right. Now let's put numbers to it. Right. So, I yeah. Love it. I love it. Such an inspirational story. I love that you're saying all those things, you know, that you have the English and creative writing background. And I mean, yeah, maybe it's the least or, you know, we've had, you know, Allie's social work and yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, lots of teachers. Like we just had so many in our community come from all different backgrounds. And that's the thing, like you feel, you feel like, oh, well, do I belong? But being in tech, I mean, it's always so funny because I have an undergrad in computer science, right? So people are like, oh, okay. But so few people have that. And I mean the developers. Like most developers don't have that. I'm not saying it's not a valuable degree, but it's just not, there really is no common path. There's just so many, let's look at all the positions Caitlin had. There's so many positions. They're looking for a lot of different skill sets. You know, it's, it's not one specific path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, so I've had a boss in the past who was a, tech she was the tech person mm -hmm. with a non-tech background mm -hmm. <laughs> but she just had good managerial skills and they were like okay here's your team right and she right. was she was so good at being I don't understand what you're talking about can you walk me through it yeah and I think that's huge because like especially very early on when we would work together me would always be like do you know what a user flow is? No, <laughs> never heard of it. And then you would walk me through it. But there are so many people and I'm, I'm very good. I love to ask questions. I love to learn, but more than anything, 
I thrive on feedback, mm-hmm. yeah. especially feedback that if it's not going well, mm-hmm. I want you to tell me right. up front and I want you to say you're wrong <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because how else am I going to learn? Yeah. And I love that I've been in situations where people are so willing to like take a chance on me mm-hmm. and say, let's throw this on your plate and let's see if you can do it. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest quality I have that allows people to take those chances is that I'm so willing to learn yeah, and ask questions instead of pretending that I know it all. Right. Because I don't know it all. I don't right. understand what coding is. I mean, okay, I get what coding is, but I don't know how to write code. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to like jump in and do HTML. Like I just learned what Python was. <laughs> you just know how to break it. <laughs> yeah, I I just know how to like break buttons, you know, yeah. and be like, this isn't working. But I think because I'm so willing to say like, or even take someone aside and be like, how are you doing this? Yeah. Or tell me like what I'm supposed to know or get out of this in the end. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's why people take chances on me. I don't yeah. know. No, I, I, I do. I just, um, and it'll probably be released before this. It will be. I, I just recorded a podcast episode about, and I talked about the summary on, on LinkedIn profile. And I'm like, just, just talk about your secret sauce. You know, like, what are you really good at? And that, that is truthfully what you're really good at. And in fact, I, I know I've written that about you, like that you, your ability to take feedback I mean, but then in tech, that's amazing. Like to like, I don't know that or try it and fail. Like if you're willing to do those two things, ask, tell people you don't know and then try it. And, and, and then if it, if it's an epic fail, it is. And then you learn and get better. Like that ability, that's one of the reasons I was like, oh yeah, she's for sure going to be successful. I think that is your secret sauce. And I think that is an important skill that people should have. This has been super interesting. Okay. So I, I am dying to ask you this question. I can't wait to hear your answer. I really want to know, there's a, there's a listener out there. There's a mom. She might be a single mom raising her kids. She, she might be married and staying at home and she wants to return to the workforce. Or she's just in a job and she's like, you know, I really think I'm capable of making more and just doing something more challenging. But she's not sure she's techie. What advice do you have for her? <laughs> Can I say get over it? You are talking. <laughs> if you don't know, I I always say one of the things I need to learn is uh, grace. And boy, I one of my weaknesses is I need to learn how to uh, not be so direct. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so get over it, and then what's the get non- over it? Way? No, I take a chance. Mm-hmm. I mean, just try. I never said no to any opportunity that came across my plate. And even though in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, you guys are nuts. Like, why are you having me do this? I never let myself say no. And either you learn that it's not something you're interested in, mm-hmm. or you learn that you love it, or you learn that it's going to help you get to the next spot of your career. So take chances. Don't say no to new opportunities or new people that come across your path. Mm -hmm. I could have easily looked at you when you said, hey, do you want to try some UX? And been like, no, that's not what I was hired for. (laughs) (laughs) 
but in, I didn't. I looked at you and I said, sure, why not? Mm -hmm. And now look where we are. Right. So always allow yourself to say yes to new opportunities. If you might learn that the path you wanted to go down isn't the right path for you, mm -hmm. but at least you took that chance. You tried it. And now you're like, oh, I thought I was going to really like Scrum, but I actually really like QA more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so try it and build up. It, I mean, the, the thing that it's going to give you is skills. It's going to yeah. let you know yourself better. It's going to give you more skills. It's going to help you figure out what you want. And then once you figure that out, it's going to help you how to get there. So try it. Do it. Don't let your own brain get in the way. It's so easy for people to talk themselves out of things. I mean, there's plenty of times that I could have talked myself out of things and been like, you're nuts. <laughs> but I think the last piece of advice I would give there is really surround yourself then with people who are going to support you mm -hmm. and not try and talk you out of it and say you're crazy. Like really, and you know what? It might not be like, Zach has no idea what I do on a daily basis. <laughs> I can't explain it to him. But he's a mechanic and so he can't explain his job to me. <laughs> and so there's certain areas that he's just, he can't support me in because he doesn't understand what that is. And so I need to find my support in different areas, mm -hmm. you know, so Zach doesn't understand tech, mm -hmm. but I know a lot of people who do and mm -hmm. a lot of people who can give me that support and I'm looking right at you, <laughs> <laughs> but find those people, ask for advice, ask them to help build you up and support you. And it could be your mom, your grandma, sister, a boyfriend, a high school teacher. I don't know. But find those people and really hold on to them and use them. Don't just pretend they don't exist. Like really talk to them and tell them what you want. And people are going to help you. That sounds like wise advice. Thank you, Caitlin Meyer. This has been a full circle moment for me. And um, I just appreciate you sharing your story so much. I know that it will help a lot of people out there who are doubting themselves. So thank you for your willingness to share. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the UR Techie email list. Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies, training, and never-ending support to get hired. Sign up at URTechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I'll see you next time.